morning. Hello, Sam. So good to speak to hear your voice, Simon. You almost said see me, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's those automated things one has programmed in one's brain. But it really is good to hear your voice. Hi. Hey, it's good to hear your voice too. I, um, I'm used to hearing your voice at least once a week, and I didn't last week, which... Uh, I know, which was mostly my bad. I'm so sorry. It's been a bit hectic this week. I haven't had electricity for the last four days. Thanks, City Power. What? <laughs> it's kind of thrown out my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um, you live in Africa, dude. I know, I know. I'm trying to rem- like be calm about it and remember that a lot of people never have electricity. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty like horrible. People, <laughs> yeah. like, like people in Los Angeles, they yeah, never exactly. have electricity. <laughs> but uh, showering in the dark at half past five in cold water is just not the right way to start a day. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. I think Unless that's a fair is. assessment of the situation. Mm, I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, uh, you've got power again. Yes. And uh, you're having warm showers again. It's quite splendid. Yeah. Um, and I'm hearing your voice again. So, so all, is all is all normality is returned to the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I have and clothes again. I've realized the problem with only owning <laughs> five pieces of clothing <laughs> is that when you can't wash your clothing, it gets quite difficult. Anyway. Now, you have, a, you have an interesting take on clothing. We've discussed this before in episode like two or three, I think. Mm. Um, you, you're like Steve Jobs, basically. Uh, you, you have the, yes, you I'm have exactly one, like Steve Jobs. You just have like one thing that you, that you wear every day, right? Yep, pretty much. And it's pretty great because it removes the choice dilemma in the morning and just makes life much simpler, really. Mm, so, ba- so basically, you've, you take the boy approach. Yeah. Although, although boys don't take the boy approach either because now boys wear um, funny socks. And I saw a boy yesterday um, wearing uh, a suit, so um, a blazer. I guess uh-huh. you would call it button-up shirt, tie, a uh, little hanky in the pocket uh, with shorts. You know those re- those like pastel-colored oh, hipster wow. shorts that the boys yeah. wear now? That's interesting. With, with, with brogues. Um, and then he had a tattoo on his calf, which made it even more ominous. That's awesome. And, um, it seems like a good approach for South Africa summer, actually. Uh, formal on top, but still wearing shorts. Yes, I support well, that. I don't know if I do. I just sat there going... I don't like the future anymore. For <laughs> right now, the future's not working. Oh, that's so funny. I had such an interesting conversation last night with um, the guy who works for Look and Listen as their classical music specialist. So the guy who's responsible for like sourcing, or used to be actually uh, responsible for sourcing and stocking uh, classical music. <laughs> well, no, he's kind of just finding the whole market just disappearing underneath him, which is understandable because A, no one buys CDs anymore, and B, mm-hmm. no one buys classical music. Um, but it was a fascinating conversation. And I chatting to him i did have one of those moments of oh my goodness uh, these whippersnappers today you know um just don't know what they want i know <laughs> sure, um, I, 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 you know I, I could i can understand that the market for cds is disappearing i don't agree that the market for classical music is gone um I, you know, I, I listen to classical music. I stream it over, <laughs> over Simfy. Uh, well, Spotify's got tons of classical music. And, and I, think, I think anybody who, who appreciates music as an art form um, is going to want to listen to classical music at some stage. Sure. It's just that nobody's going into CD stores anymore for it. 
Well, okay, so I agree, but I also don't agree because one of the things that you hope will happen with the internet and new ways of buying media and that kind of thing is that it will make it easier for people to have very niche tastes because you can. Mm-hmm. you can If you're into Swedish folk metal, I don't know, whatever, you can find whatever it is that you want. So you, what you would hope would happen is that taste would fragment. But I don't know, just looking around in the world, I don't know if that's what's happening. It seems like... I don't know, there's there's kind of a mainstreaming effect, even with Spotify and iTunes and all these new ways to, to buy and consume music, that it, it, people are sort of converging around the top 40 and those people who win idols and I don't know, maybe, ugh, maybe it's maybe nah, it's, not it's always true. been that way. It's uh, always been that way. And now I, I actually think discovery is better than it's ever been because not because of, of, of streaming services like Spotify necessarily, but because you've got things like Soundhound and Shazam. Mm. And whereas before you'd be walking in a store hearing a song and going, that's cool, but I'm never going to be able to find out what it is unless I speak to the store manager. Now mm. you whip out your phone and not only does Soundhound tell you what song it is, you start seeing what your friends are listening to and other songs that sound like this one. Mm. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm finding the most interesting music uh, in the world now. Uh, more awesome. so than ever. Whereas growing up as a teenager, where it was FM radio and CDs, I would I would by default only listen to what my friends were listening to. Yeah, sure, fair enough. And you do that thing where uh, the song that you liked came on the radio, and you would frantically run for the tape recorder and hit plays. So you could record the song. No, no one did this. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you get so annoyed when people like you, the freaking DJs, would start talking at the end of the song, and you'd be like, "No, yeah. don't talk over my song. You're ruining my recording." <laughs> yeah. Well, they they they'd play the jingles in the middle of the song. Oh, so annoying. Five FM. Mess up your recording, man. Yeah. And if you're making a mixtape for your girlfriend, you don't want that shit on it. No, man, ruins the mood. Specifically, <sighs> if you're playing it later when you're getting jiggy, and then all of a sudden there's like, I don't know. Uh, you know what? That's something that that we've lost. And maybe so one of these streaming services has a feature like this. If they don't, they should. But mm. being able to make a mixtape for somebody. So I actually, this it's it's a topical thing. I made Mark a mixtape last week. It was really uh, sweet. It wasn't literally a mixtape. It was a playlist. <laughs> uh, same thing. Yeah, totally. But I, and I and as I was doing it, I was like, this is really fun. I haven't done this in I don't know eight years uh, mm-hmm. but there is there's something so <laughs> special about kind of curating something for someone else and, and kind of that manual curation that p- most people have removed from their lives because there's so many automated forms of curation i guess make a mixtape yeah somebody somebody must have thought of this uh all right i'm off to start a startup so um start a startup get investors uh for my mixtape idea awesome <laughs> um, Go and pitch, okay. it, pitch it to some VCs. Yeah, totally. I I haven't found the definitive way of keeping my music collection together. Uh, you know, mm. I used to swap MP3s with friends and uh, just be like, "Screw you, copyright people." I used to swap cassettes with the same friends when we were teenagers, and you didn't have a problem with that. So go screw yourselves. Mm. Actually, they did have a problem with that, but we didn't know about it. Yeah, harder to <laughs> or check. something. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. Music's for sharing. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to go there. But yeah, but now, uh, you know, so I've got this MP3 collection in iTunes. Apple's given us a way of legitimizing piracy by paying them. Fucking <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> it's like pirate all the music you want. Pay for iTunes Match, and we will legalize your entire pirated library. Yeah, amazing. That's awesome. And basically give you a license to pirate going <laughs> forward. So, so, but that's cool. Um, 
Uh, so that's one option, and then I've got a I've got a Simfy account. I like the fact that I can just think of a song and then it starts streaming. Mm. Um, uh, and maybe that's okay. I, I'm just I, I used to love buying music on CD. I could rip it myself. Mm. If my computer got stolen, uh, nobody steals CDs anymore. <laughs> um, it just it just and 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 I could get really high quality. Uh, rips of the stuff which was really important when I was working in radio and DJing in clubs and stuff sure, was you yeah. know mp3s are crappy for that stuff yeah. um, uh, so I liked having a CD collection and, and I, it's still arguably my favorite way to buy music I, I like owning an album on vinyl or CD do you still um, do you still buy CDs like what was the last CD you bought the last CD I bought was probably the last corn album uh, I was just walking through a store oh, and saw okay. it. But you know, I, I don't. I don't. I, I stopped buying CDs a, a while ago. Yeah. But it, uh, it's arguably still my favorite way of buying. Oh, music. That's interesting. Look, I, I, I hear your problem with kind of keeping everything together because. So I, I have an iTunes Match account, but my problem is I actually have too much music because I. Even though there's no good reason to still have a hoarder's instinct with digital content, I do still a little bit have this problem. So I've got you know hard drives with sort of I don't know. 700 odd uh, gigs I think yeah 700 odd gigs of, of different bizarre albums from over the years and uploading all of that stuff to iTunes Match just takes years I guess um, so yeah. I do I've still got all the stuff on hard drives and I, I occasionally go and swap it in with what's actually on my laptop and my phone and kind of what gets listened to but it's quite yeah. manual and tedious and there is no I don't know I, I haven't found a good solution for it yet either well, I don't, I, you know, I don't hate the idea of having everything in the cloud. I love that idea. Mm. I, I, I love the idea of it, you know, I, you can take my laptop away. I can go out to a store, get a new one, and five minutes later be listening to, mm. you know, the same collection of 90s grunge music that I was listening to when my laptop was stolen. <laughs> but I, you know, I, there's always these catches, you know, and, and I fly a lot. So mm. there's nothing worse than getting on the airplane with a dumb device that can't do anything without the cloud. Mm. Um, you know, there's only one airline in South Africa that's got that's got broadband access mm. uh, in the air, and it's pretty crappy broadband access. You're not going to stream a movie over it. Yeah. Um, so it's like now I need to plan to fly and then put stuff onto mm. my my stupid devices that are now so cloud dependent that I can't go on a holiday into the bush with them mm. um, without a really good three G connection. Yeah. So I'm 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 like fully committed to the cloud. I just it, it's not working so nice for my digital hoarding mm. um, stuff. Yeah, totally. So I've got all my books on Kindle. Um, movies is like a hodgepodge of different things. Mm. Uh, music, I'm quite happy with Simfy. Actually, books is an interesting question because my my book situation is even more all over the place than than my my um, music collection because I, I I shouldn't confess this but I don't really buy books anymore um, except South African books which I do try and try and actually pay for uh, which means were those Heidi does oh yes they were <laughs> could you hear them that's so sweet. Um, well, you know, you work at an advertising agency, so that sound could have been literally anything. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, yes, we've harnessed a flock of hardy dars and we're making an ad, and they're all sitting in a room, mm -hmm. and they're auditioning. Uh, no. Um, Sorry, you were, you were telling me about your book dilemma. Uh, what was I saying about my book dynamic? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, Calibri is really good at kind of sorting it and adding all the metadata and all of that kind of thing. Um, mm hmm but, but there is no really good sort of cloud backup solution I found beyond just, you know, a normal Dropbox type, you know, thing where you can just upload any file. Yeah. So books are really all over the place in my world. 
Yeah. Have you seen Amazon this week uh, announced their whole ebook matching thing where from October there'll be 10,000 titles uh, on the Amazon store where if you buy the Kindle version, uh, they'll ship you the the, uh, the hard copy as well. Oh, that's really awesome. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Very cool. It still requires someone to actually go and buy a book though. <laughs> um, the, uh, yep. Yeah, which is that it does. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, books are something that get passed from generation to generation mm. um and when you know one day when i croak i'm not going to be able to to elegantly give my kindle library to my kids <laughs> yeah um yeah. which feels weird absolutely yeah um there's also the question about physical books so this is something that i've been asking myself for a while and it's a difficult question for me because i love my books so much and i started collecting my books when i was when i was quite young and they're very sentimental but it's gotten to the point where the books in my flat have t- they've they've taken over they have colonized every single space <laughs> and my general approach of you know, extreme hardcore decluttering, no weird collections because, you know, stuff you own ends up owning you and whatever. Um, just I can't get it to apply to my books. And it's a mission every time I want to move because it's like, I don't know, four trucks worth of books and then a little suitcase of clothes and everything else that I own. Um, but I just, because I, so firstly, it's difficult to transform your entire physical library into a digital library there is no really good simple way of doing that yet um Mm -hmm. in the same way that there was for cds um yeah and there's also still something about the physical book as you say it's 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 tangible you can lend them to people which is quite nice uh i don't know well that's the only thing i keep books for because i i don't you know i never read a book again i I don't think i ever have to be quite honest Mm. Which, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like rereading things. I just, there's too much new stuff I haven't read to keep me busy. So I hardly ever go back and read a book. That's so funny. I'm exactly the opposite. (laughs) I actually, I have a bit of a problem kind of just (laughs) rereading things over and over again. I think it's a comfort thing. Like, um, and also because I have such a terrible memory, I I can reread things, you know, three weeks apart and it feels like a completely new book. Um, Every book, a new revelation. It's like having Alzheimer's. It's great, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's terrible. Yeah. So I've got this. I've you know I've I've got the shelf of books that I carry around with me. I've given all the others away. Mm. You know. So so Douglas Adams. I think I've got three copies of the Complete Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> um, like that's never going to leave my shelf, whether I read it again or not. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, like some Hunter S. Thompson work. Yeah. Etc. It's it just it lives on my shelf, and then and then people come to my house and they check it out and they go, wow, oh, that's cool. he's a pretty well-read uh, guy, this Simon. <laughs> um, and then and then they lend the books and, and then they disappear. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's a dilemma. It's a dilemma because my my, my attachment to my books are completely at odds with you know the principles I'm trying to apply to everything else in my life. Um, yeah. And I really should. I really should just do a giant purge because if I was quite hardcore about it, I would probably find that 10% of those books are really sentimental and I would want to keep. Um, and 90% I could probably get rid of and never think of again. But you, you don't know, right? It's like you, you might wake up in the middle of the night when, and, and think, oh, I really just need to look at that book that I bought 10 years ago. That sometimes so happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so uh, the CEO at uh, at my company, uh, Christo, he 
he reads like a mofo mm. and he's got these colored labels because he's a very active reader he's always making notes and highlighting and circling things mm. and and then sticking these colored stickies into important parts of the book and he like he consumes books in a way that I, I haven't seen anybody else do before. And then he's got this collection of books and he'll remember like, ah, oh, yes, you know, uh, whoever spoke about this in that book. And then he'll go and haul that book out. Oh, that's um, and, and he'll go to the, the pink sticky, which is exactly where that, that <laughs> passage was. So for him, physical books are a must, you know, that's like Kindle wonderful. just doesn't. Yeah. But I've often wanted to share like just a piece of a book with somebody yeah. and, and Kindle doesn't let you do that because it's copyrighted. So, uh, you know yeah, totally. So I find so that douchey. it is kind of douchey. And like you say, like music, books are half of the enjoyment in books is sharing. Um, mm-hmm. I do this thing with books where I take photographs of passages on, just on my phone because my phone's always on me of passages that I particularly like and then guess where they go? In to Evernote with absolutely everything else in my life where they are rigorously tagged um, and can mm-hmm. be found later which is very useful um, but yeah it's, it's still kind of clunky uh, my Evernote has got to be the messiest thing in the universe um, if a hurricane or not a hurricane what am I saying if a tornado went through a, uh, a trailer park um, it would end up looking more organized than <laughs> my my Evernote. It's just, uh, I don't know. How do you get... I'm a messy person, Sam. I'm a messy, <laughs> messy human being. Ah, oh, it's it's quite endearing. Um, but but does it work for you if it's if it's unorganized? Like, uh, do you find that you you go and retrieve stuff from it, or is it just a well, dumping dumping ground? Yeah, it's like my file system in uh, on my Mac. You know, mm. um, I've you've got Spotlight. You know that you're going to find whatever you're looking for very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you become messy with your files. Uh, you you stick them all over your hard drive with reckless abandon. You make no folders. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I work with a very talented uh, designer uh, slash artist slash um, sociopath. And he looks at my he looks at my hard drive and he goes, this is this makes me want to <laughs> I'm physically sick now. And then I, I look at his hard drive and everything's meticulously cataloged and color coded because you can do that on the Mac as well. Yeah. You, know, you can like oh, yeah. give everything a label. I have and, labels and color codes, of course. Jeez Louise. <laughs> and I'm just uh, yeah. my my hard drive. Yeah. Post tornado trailer park. And but I can find everything because I hit Apple spacebar and I type Sam and I see all of the documents for Sam images of Sam. So yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not worried. No, I mean it's a it's a very good point. Um, so same with Evernote, right? If I search for something, I usually find it. Yeah, which is which is why kind of um, the the sort of tag based uh, approach to organization is much more interesting than the the cataloging approach, I guess. Uh, the kind of yeah. build a robust information architecture as opposed to just you know uh, add words into it. Did you just say robust information architecture? <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been doing a lot of Europe <clears throat> stuff over the last couple of weeks. Do you yes. realize that we always, in these conversations, end up talking about books? We do. We do. It's interesting. It's like a, it's like a book club. <laughs> <laughs> book club over the internet. More than anything else. Yeah. Except I can't actually send you books that we talk about, which is, again, our Well, problem. you can... You, I, I gifted books to... So my, my friend Mike Stopforth, mm. we had an interesting discussion a while ago and it reminded me of two books that I bought him on Amazon and then sent him the, the, uh, the gift cards. Now, Amazon thinks I live in the USA because mm. the only time I ever shop in, <laughs> on Amazon, I ship my stuff to the USA because I'm there. I go to the US like four <laughs> or five times a year. Um, so he couldn't get either book. The one it said wasn't available in South Africa. Uh. The other one 
there's a different version available in South Africa because it's a different douchebag publisher that does it in South Africa. So he's not allowed to get that version of the exact same fracking book in South Africa. It's just, yeah, so, you know, you can gift books to to people. And and I think a lot of people who may find this conversation on the Internet and are listening to it are going, well, it's, you know, it's $5 or $9, whatever, man. Just buy them a copy. But it's not that simple Mm. because... The problem isn't the problem isn't Amazon or Kindle or ebooks or the way that it all works. The problem is copyright. The problem yeah. is this anachronistic way of, of viewing content and how it should be shared. So actually the most interesting thing I've read over the last couple of weeks, I'll I'll put the link in our notes so that you could put it on the notes when this thing goes on the internet um Uh, it was an article i think Uh. in the new yorker can't remember um and it's a lovely really long in-depth read about the history of copyright which is something that everyone should be aware of because it's crazy crazy stuff um and what's really interesting is that copyright was was invented in the beginning to protect publishers um in the in the early days of copyright there was no protection or no idea of an author kind of um deserving special privilege for being the author of something it kind of started out as being this printing house because printing was a was a very Mm -hmm. costly and involved thing only this printing house is allowed to print this particular copy of a book because in those days authorship was not really an original creative act it was more your job as author was was more akin to a scribe you were kind of capturing public knowledge and and culture and and things like the bible and and all of that kind of thing Um, and the idea of authorship came in a little bit later in this in this whole equation so so copyright predates our idea of authorship which is kind of and then came the middlemen yep and more and more and more uh it's um, actually vqr virginia quarterly review i'll send you the link it's amazing okay uh and i shall read it yes yeah man it's it's the middlemen it's the middlemen that convinced musicians they needed help selling their music and Mm. authors that they needed help getting more speaking gigs and selling books Mm. um and now are completely irrelevant because they've been disintermediated and nobody needs help getting to their market anymore Mm. um and and so all they have to stand on is the legislation they've bought by bribing congressmen in the u.s etc totally Um, these kind of micro monopolies on particular pieces of content that they yeah man it's weird man and that's that's why hollywood's stuck in the 18th century Mm. or something and that that's why i uh you know i can't watch house of cards without lying about being american yeah ridiculous although that's that's a strange example because netflix arguably has no reason for not allowing me to watch house of cards they produced that themselves Mm. to change the way that that you know digital publishing of television shows works going straight to the market with something they produced themselves and then still cutting it off from the markets where netflix doesn't allow you to have an account absolutely yeah because the old content houses are douchebags. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. It Sam. doesn't. Arr. Let's revolt. Um, Everybody, go to the pirate bay and download everything <laughs> right now. Arr. To make a point, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the the most infuriating sentence I think in the English language is the, the the user has not made this content available in your country on YouTube. I mean, the fact that even YouTube clips are restricted on a country by country basis. Those like three minute snippets of content from great shows overseas. I mean, that that just boggles my mind and is the most frustrating thing in the world i don't understand it <sighs> don't, yeah there's a lot about uh people i don't understand so mm. 
But let's not go there because, uh, you know, people who find this conversation on the internet may not be that interested in me ranting about human beings. <laughs> By the way, if you, uh, if you want to find other conversations like this on the internet uh, and also see notes from the show, which basically means the <laughs> list of books we spoke about inevitably in every show, you can go to seed.tv, seed like that thing you um, stick in a pot to get a plant, mm. uh, .tv, like uh, that thing you wish you had Netflix on. Um, and you will find Take Back the Day and some other fine podcasts on this website. Indeed. Um, I think we should. And that's all I have to say about We should that. totally rename the show Sam and Simon's Book Club. <laughs> yeah, but uh, then, you know, nobody listens to it now. But if we did that, we would <laughs> really enter the hinterlands of, uh, of conversations on the internet. Oh, it's funny. I love that, that the book as an object um, is, is still such an important thing. I, I was very, very privileged to be able to, to, be able to interview Lauren Bierkes yesterday. And I, I really had to stop myself from fangirling out on her you know and kind of just being a little bit stalkerish uh -huh. and creepy because I, I think she's amazing um, but I, I was asking her the question because you know she's written games she's written comic books she's written TV um, TV shows like she's, she's really played with a number of media and um, I asked her the question sort of why does she still write books and, and she, she had this really lovely answer about how books still allow you to create focus and, and to go deep into a single thing and, and create a really long, deep narrative. And it's kind of the lack of interactivity in a book as opposed to a game is a really good thing um, in some ways. It's kind of the author is is creating, I don't know. It's it, Books are lovely and I'm glad that they they haven't aged. You know, I've never read any of Lauren Bierkes' books. Totally should. They're awesome. But you don't read a lot of fiction, do you? No, hardly any. Yeah. This is why you um, are so well informed about all the things uh maybe <laughs> uh the last the last piece of fiction i read was neil gaiman's the ocean at the end of the lane oh, which how is, is it? amazing oh of course it is it's um, neil gaiman i but he I, he reads the audio version himself so i i listened to it as an audible book oh, um lovely can you say you read it if you yes i read it yeah yes, I, I think it. you can um, but Neil reads it himself, so that just makes it extra fun because The Ocean at the End of the Lane, spoiler alert, it starts out sounding a lot like uh, an autobiography. It sounds like Neil's writing about his life. And I, I, you know, I'd heard that he had a new book out and what it was called, but I don't like spoilers. So, you know, whether it's movies or books or anything, I, I try to, to know as little about them mm. uh, before I go and view them or read them. Um, so I didn't. I had no idea whether this was fiction or non-fiction, although I assumed it was fiction because it was Neil Gaiman. Mm. Uh, I knew nothing about this book, and it starts out like an autobiography. Um, oh, it wow. starts out as a story about Neil Gaiman's life, and you, you get the idea that that's what he set out to write, but then huh. uh, it, it twists and turns into this fantastical story. That's fantastic. Um, Jan Martel. It's really good. Oh, that's lovely. Jan Martel has a fantastic book like that. So Jan Martel is the guy who wrote um, The Life of Pi, and, he, and he's, he's He's really wonderful. Um, and he has this book called Self, which is one of my favorite books ever, which is a similar idea. It starts out as a very literal autobiography. And at some point, you know, he morphs into a woman and then things start getting really, really bizarre and strange. But hmm. you, you get the sense that even though the fantastical starts happening, that it's still emotionally true in a, in a way. Like it is still an autobiography, but just in an autobiography that t talks about the emotional truth as opposed to the literal truth um, well of course so fi so fiction is good fiction has to be true mm. you know uh, stephen king in uh, what is his book called on writing yeah uh, he says all 
all my stories are true stories. Mm. You know, uh, it might be it might be fiction, but if there isn't if it isn't a true story, if it doesn't have its own truth, then nobody's it does it's not going to resonate with anybody. Mm. Um, which is which is probably I think the most important thing for any author to understand. Mm. Uh, Bukowski said, was it Bukowski said, you start writing a book. If, if you don't know where to begin, just write the truest sentence you can think yes, of. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. And, and Hemingway, um, what writing is easy, you just have to sit at a typewriter and bleed. <laughs> Something like yeah. that, oh, yes. So wonderful. Sam and Simon Book Show. <laughs> da, da, da. I feel like we need a jingle. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Or not. Um, oh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> maybe. We've got that thing I made. Um, so I've, I've collected all these weird synthesizers on my phone. Cool. And, um, and there's one called Dandy, which is cool. In fact, I'm opening it up right now. And then you can, on the fly, you, you can make songs. Awesome. So I want to hear we, it. I'll, so, uh... So there's a beat, I think. In fact, ah. this sounds familiar. Dude. See, you, you can just build up little songs. That's really awesome. Well, I don't know about awesome, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. I'll make us a jingle with Dandy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so explain to me exactly what Dandy is. Are you kind of, uh, you've got... Uh, loops and tracks and things that you just overlay. Yeah, it's a, it's a collection of, of sounds and then it, it's, it does some some synthesizer stuff as well so you can go and speed stuff up and slow it down. It's old magnetic loops uh, f- that somebody created in the 50s or something. That's really um, awesome. So, so you can get your beat going and then you can... You can adjust it down a bit. <laughs> That's really fun. Uh, it's, I love how, how easy it is to be creative in 2013. Yeah, totally, dude. And then, you can, and then you can go, well, okay, so now we've adjusted that. Now we need some of this. And now we need some of that. Or something. I don't <laughs> <laughs> That's insanely cool. I Sam, the shit you could do on your phone. I know. You can you can make movies, feature length films, god damn it. Well and now and now so Apple's there's this this third party app called Audiobus and it's interesting because it's the first time that Apple has really handed over the reins on some secret APIs to, to third party developers. Yeah. So the you know the big problem on the iPhone is that apps can't speak to each other. Uh-huh. Um, but what Audiobus lets you do is it lets you tie together uh, audio applications so i could set like dandy which we were just playing with i could set that as an input mm. uh, and i could pipe it into GarageBand on my iphone and then i could start putting together a song on GarageBand and recording from all of these different instruments uh on my phone Dude. um could and you, that's mm-hmm. could you tie it together with your phone app i guess and then start inputting like someone else talking on another line yeah, uh, no, you couldn't do that uh-huh. uh, because, because there's this whole thing about recording phone calls and uh, whatever. Okay, fair enough. Um, but maybe you know. So if if it's up to it's up to app, uh, if Skype, for example, added audio bus support, that would be cool because then I could r- record these conversations that we have, maybe, um, and then synth them. <laughs> add, yeah, totally, add some dude. Synth, it'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Hmm. Yeah, things you can do on your phone. Oh, man. The future, Sam. It's here. It's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Except when one doesn't we have electricity it. for four days and then one doesn't feel like one lives in the future at all because none of yeah. one's fancy devices work. 
And then Jeez, what you just can't let do? it go. Wait, then just, does, yeah. what does I want to do? It's been miserable. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Samantha. It's been fun. I, it has it has been fun. I don't really feel like going to work now. I feel like I should have taken back a little bit more of the day. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful here as well. The sun shining. Uh, the Hadi Dars are singing. <laughs> I miss Hadi Dars. There's not so many of them uh, in the Cape. And by not so many, I mean none. I'll, I haven't I'll, seen I'll, a single I'll one. I'll stick some on a plane and ship them down to you. I'll, I'll get them yeah. from our audition room next door. <laughs> but, you know, um, barring the lack of Hadi Dars, it's, uh, it's an amazing place. And I have to go to work in it, which oh. is very depressing. But it is Friday, so you can get up as late as you want tomorrow and go and walk around and frolic through the woods with your beagles or whatever your heart desires, really. Uh-huh. Quite yeah, exciting. Yeah, sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right, Samantha, have a good week. And, uh, and we'll, we'll speak next week, I hope. You too. It's been fun. Okay, cheers, lady. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you.